So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley where you get the positive energy you need to help you grow your business your relationships and your mindset if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast. It's a mouthful. My name's Ben Hartley. Welcome, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are on week four of a seven-week series, a crash course into your photography business. Before we go any further, why should you listen? Like, why on earth should you spend the next 30 minutes, 40 minutes, however long I'm going to rant for today, listening to this podcast? Here's why. If you are a creative, if you are an entrepreneur, if you have a business, specifically if you're a photographer, then you better dial in. Uh, because the entire purpose of this podcast is to help you grow your business, right? That's what I'm up to. Sometimes I get the opportunity to interview other creatives, uh, other business owners, um, industry experts. Other times it's, it's rants, and, and this seven-week series are full of Hartley rants. <laughs> it's just a lot of me uh, just kind of blasting out at you guys. Uh, this seven-week series was inspired from a seven-day crash course that I put together. Now, listen, I want to acknowledge this. You may learn in different ways, right? Reading, uh, listening, visually, like watching, and I recognize that. And so uh, maybe and maybe it's a combination too, right? So maybe when you're out driving to work, you tune into the podcast and you take it in, but maybe when you're back home, you get a chance to sit down and read and highlight through stuff or copy and paste and so I want to encourage you guys, this seven-week crash course, you can get right into your inbox in written format uh, in hyperspeed in seven days, right? So if you want this in written format and you don't want to wait uh, next week to get the next episode of it, you can go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash start. Sixfigurephotography.com forward slash start. That's S-I-X-6. So sixfigurephotography.com forward slash start to get the seven day crash course, all of all seven weeks of, of the content that I'm, um, that I'm communicating here in the podcast in written format, right to your inbox. Take advantage of that. You guys, we are on week four and, uh, this week, slightly controversial, uh, is what I may say slightly controversial topic. I want to talk about the number one way to improve your photography business, your creative business right now, today. 
right? So over the last uh, over the last three weeks or so, you know, maybe maybe you're introducing stuff. And it's getting you more leads. Like your website is becoming more refined, polished. You're focused up on on what it is that you need to be doing. And today, we're going to talk about the one thing that you can do right now today that's going to instantly improve your business and make you more money than anything else that you do. Do you guys know what that is? What's going to make you more money today than anything else that you do? Here's the controversial idea. It's charge more. It's to charge more money. Now, before you run away with this idea and completely dismiss it, I'm not saying that you double your prices. I'm not saying that you charge a thousand more, that you charge 500 more. Maybe you charge $10 more, right? I'm just saying that you charge more. And I want to, I want you to just play this one out for me, please. I've got a lot of information to unpack from this. And so so stop your lizard brain right now from telling you all the reasons why you can't charge more. Ben, you don't understand. I can't charge more. If I charge more, I'm going to lose clients. I, I'm, not, I'm not quite worth charging more. I just started out. I'm not quite worth charging more yet. Everyone else charges this rate. You don't get my industry, dude. You don't know my location, right? Everyone else charges these rates. I, I can't charge more than them. Okay, I know the I know the thoughts that are going through your brain right now, and I want to invite you guys to listen. Just listen to me. Just hear this episode out. You can dismiss me at the end, but don't dismiss me just yet. All right, feel it like hear me out, and then tell me I'm full of um, I'm full of junk. So here we go. Your lizard brain is lying to you. You're, I love this term, lizard brain, you guys. This is my favorite. So Seth Godin. This is the first time I heard of the term lizard brain was from Seth Godin and he and he writes about it in his book Lynchpin. Highly recommend this book Lynchpin by the way. I'll I'll get a link in the show notes for you guys. And he uses the term lizard brain to refer to the portion of your mind that wants to protect you. It wants to keep you safe, right? And it does this by trying to keep you average. Average is safe. Your lizard brain speaks up because raising your prices is uncomfortable. It is risky. It is dangerous. The lizard wants to keep you comfortable. The lizard wants to keep you safe. And unfortunately, that means staying right where you are at. And here's the thing about comfort, you guys. I love it. Okay, Seth Godin says this. Discomfort means that you are doing something that others were unlikely to do because they are busy hiding out in the comfort zone. Discomfort means that you are doing something that others are unlikely to do. The lizard hates your genius and tries to stomp it out. Kill the lizard. Instead of allowing the lizard to stomp you out, to keep you safe, to push you down, to keep you in your nice little confined comfort zone, kill the lizard. Kill the lizard and raise your prices. And again, as I say raise your prices, you don't have to kill the lizard by raising your prices $500. You can kill the lizard by raising your prices just just small little chunks, quarterly, $50, $100, kill the lizard. You guys, as artists, we tend to consume our time with our craft, 
right? Becoming a better photographer, a better creator, a better retoucher, uh, researching what gear is going to help us to get the, the, the shot, the next best shot, what, what next Photoshop action or Lightroom preset or in-camera workshop can we take to make our portfolio better to get published to win the next award? And while all this is important, we often neglect the business side of things. Here's why you need to raise your prices. For starters, number one, you are worth charging more. Number two, you aren't making as much money as you tell yourself and your friends. That's a hard one to swallow. You're not making as much money as you tell yourself and your friends. Number three, you don't have the time, sanity, or endurance to shoot 45 weddings a year sustainably. Sustainably is the key word here. I know there's some of you out there listening to this and you're like, I shot 40 weddings last year. I shot 50 weddings next year. Like, I get it. It's not sustainable, right? And the last one, number four, clients are willing to pay you more and will actually thank you for it. You're worth it, you guys. Let's go back to number one. You're worth it. You got to begin here. It's going to all fall apart if you don't, if you don't begin here. Do you believe that you're worth it? Like, check yourself on this. Get honest. Do you believe it? If you don't believe that you're worth your rates, no one else will. Do you get that? We as people, we have this very fine-tuned BS meter, and we can tell when someone is desperate, when they're hesitant, when they're unsure. You know this. You've seen, like, you've sensed this in someone when you're like asking for a price or asking for a quote or talking with someone, and you can just tell they're like, ah, like knowing your worth is rooted in self-worth. All right, and that's 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 a redundant statement, I know, but it's so true. Knowing your price point, knowing your value is rooted in self-value, is rooted in self-worth. If you struggle with having confidence in your work, I'm gonna put a link down below in the show notes. It's not an, uh, an all-inclusive idea on, on confidence, but maybe, maybe this little video I'm gonna drop in the show notes will give you an idea on some practices that I have for confidence. Some practices I, that I have in, in practicing my self-worth and practicing and rehashing and reminding and reworking through uh, self-worth, all right? Go check out this video. It's, it's, a, it's a video I put together on confidence. The reality is, number two, the reality is that you are not making as much. I, I got to pause on this real quick. That confidence video you really need to go watch that. <laughs> you really need to go watch that, you guys. I'm, I just need to, I, I had to pause and I have to go back to this because this notion, it's, I don't think we realize just how much um, our belief in ourselves is tied to the numbers that we place on the artwork that we create, right? And again, this confidence video, it's not going to completely change everything, but it, it'll, it, it may introduce you, if it only introduces you to a single idea, a single practice, a single um, way to reposition the way that your mind is thinking or considering things, then it will be worth the 10 minutes that it takes to go watch that video. Please go watch the video. All right, sorry, I got, okay, cool. Number two, the, the, here's the reality. The reality is that you're not making as much money that, that you tell yourself and that you tell your friends. So here, so most photographers, they just think of, of what they make in terms of their gross earnings. So let's say that you charge $1,500 a wedding, $1,500 a wedding, and you think to yourself, 
you just made $1,500 for that wedding. And then you go tell your friends, dude, check this out. I just booked $1,500 on a day's work. I'm going to make $1,500 for showing up to someone's party. And this is what you tell your friends. This is what you tell yourself. Huge mistake, you guys. Here is the truth. If I get a couple to pay $1,500 out of that $1,500, I might make on that wedding 692 of it. I might make about that, right? Here's the estimate broken down, okay? And this is like this is a rough estimate of things, but $230 is going to probably go to taxes. It's conservative, it's likely more. $300 is going to go to hiring in a second shooter to be a part of that process with you. $15 for gear insurance, that's kind of broken out across uh, a year. Uh, and it depends on how much gear you have. Again, being conservative, $15 in gear. Uh, $10 uh, to put together an online gallery, like a shoot-proof gallery, a pixie set, a pass gallery, $10 to upload it. Um, you're going to pay out 160 bucks in editing, whether or not you hire out the editing or you take the, your uh, your own hard-earned time to do it yourself. But 160 bucks or so uh, to actually have the work edited. 70 bucks uh, is, is what I figured for gear. And I, again, I'm being conservative here, but what I factored in was not going with the elite flagship highest end piece of gear. So let's go with like two, um, uh, you know, 5Ds, 5D Mark III, 5D Mark IV. So maybe it's, you know, you got a couple of them. So 3,500 a piece, $7,000 over four years. Twenty-five dollars. Uh, I'm sorry, twenty-five weddings a year, and I got it down to eventually about seventy bucks for uh, for for equipment. And it, look, even if that 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 was me assuming that you own the gear and then you're breaking it out over four years, uh, but you could also rent. And if you were to rent some gear, it's probably going to be about seventy to one hundred dollars to rent out some gear. And then, you know, you're also going to have to, you know, manage these clients and have some sort of system in place uh, for client relationship, client relationship management, contracts, all that kind of stuff. So maybe you're something like 20, 22 bucks uh, for like a Sierra, maybe something like Tave or HoneyBook. Anyhow, the reality is this. There's, there's things that I skipped. There's, I mean, I didn't even factor in any marketing. I didn't factor any printed material uh, either. Uh, any website, like there's so much other stuff that's going into actually acquiring that client. But nevertheless, we got about $800, $808 taken out of my 1500 Okay. Not to mention, again, not to mention all, I didn't even mention lenses or lighting equipment or stands or anything. That 70 bucks was just for like a couple camera bodies to rent or to own over a period of four years. Right, not to mention all the other services or programs or marketing that leaves you with six hundred ninety-two bucks. All right, podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick pause here in order to give a thank you to the supporters of the SFP podcast. Because if you're listening, it likely means that you have a small business or you know someone who does. And if this is you, you are wearing far too many hats. And some of these hats are amazing, right? Like being a photographer, but some like filing taxes, running payroll, not so great. This is where Gusto comes in. This is the solution, you guys. Gusto, G U S T O. Gusto. 
Presto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small businesses. I used to be on like an old school payroll processor from like 1982, and it was terrible. Gusto now has fast, simple payroll processing. Uh, This is the really cool thing. They automatically pay and file your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Um, They make like like W-2s, sending out 1099s, uh, incredibly easy to run. You guys, those old school clunky payroll providers, the one that I was on that I just left, uh, they just weren't built for the way that the small modern business uh, is meant to work, but Gusto is. You guys, no joke. I got really excited because I switched to Gusto before they contacted me uh, to come on as an advertiser. I'm like, this just makes sense. I actually use this thing. Um, The really cool thing, too, is everything is online, like the ability to sign, store, and organize all the employee documents. It's all online. It's all in one place. You guys, let Gusto wear one of your many hats. Uh, It gets better because for you podcast listeners, you get the first three months free when you run your first payroll. Try this demo out for yourself at gusto.com forward slash photo. That's gusto.com, G-U-S-T-O forward slash photo. Look, we're going to stay on theme here and keep talking about giving you guys solutions for all the things that are terrible to do. Um, So you guys remember when you started your small business, right? Like it was no small fee. Uh, You're spending uh, late nights, early mornings, the occasional all-nighter. Bottom line, uh, ever since then, you've been insanely busy, right? And so one of the biggest challenges uh, is invoicing and it's accounting, Right. Let's make things a little bit easier in 2019. Our friends at FreshBooks have a solution. FreshBooks, this is invoicing and accounting software designed specifically for you as small business owners. It's simple, it's intuitive, and it keeps you way more organized than the dusty shoebox filled with crumpled receipts. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in 30 seconds. And then the best part is uh, get them paid two times faster with automated online payments. Uh, I love that part. File expenses even quicker. Uh, Keep them perfectly organized for tax time. And the best part is this. As your business continues to grow, which it will in 2019, let's be honest, you're going to always have the tools that you need when you need them without ever having to like figure out or learn all this accounting shenanigans, right? So you guys... 24 million people are using FreshBooks. Try it out for 30 days free. There's no credit card required. There's no catch. Uh, Go to freshbooks.com forward slash photography, freshbooks.com forward slash photography, and then enter six-figure photography in the section where it asks, how did you hear about FreshBooks, right? Make sure you get that part down. When it asks, how did you hear about FreshBooks, enter six-figure photography, you're going to get your first 30 days free. I'm excited for you guys to check out FreshBooks. All right, let's get back to the show. You guys, if you were to shoot 25 weddings, right, and make $692 a year, that results in an actual salary of 17300 And by the way, you don't even have health insurance, right? This, and I'm not, fa- I'm not factoring in travel expenses. I'm not even factoring in the time that's going into all this stuff, you guys. You would have to shoot around 40 weddings a year to make that work out. You, again, that's just not a sustainable number, and, that's, and that, that'd be picking up pennies. You have to charge more. You don't have the time, you don't have the sanity or endurance to, to, to shoot 45 weddings a year sustainably. This is burnout. 
Dane Sanders cites some staggering numbers, like like really scary numbers in his book Fast Track Photography. Uh, in year one, sixty percent of photographers are going to give up on their business. By year two, out of that remaining forty percent, another twenty five percent will feel will fail. Finally, the remaining 15% are the ones who will make it through their third year. And I bet a huge portion of that 60% is burnout. They're shooting too much for too little. So charging more, it's going to accomplish two things. It's going to accomplish two things for you to help uh, give you back your sanity. For, uh, For starters, fewer weddings for more money means that you have the same or more uh, income for less work. I like that idea, right? If you have fewer weddings for more money, you're going to have same or more income for less work. And number two, when you have more income, you are able to afford to contract out other jobs, other work, to be able to delegate uh, uh, things that take up considerable time that you don't need to be doing, like editing, for example, Right, like bulk editing, you can maybe bring on someone to help you manage, uh, like a VA to help manage your your inquiry process, your client experience. Maybe it's not um, contracting out an individual, but maybe it's working with a piece of software, right? A client relationship management software, something like a HoneyBook. I'll make sure to get a link down below for HoneyBook. You guys gotta check this out. It'll help to actually take in contracts, automate um, emails, automate actions, automate bill collecting. It'll charge clients automatically monthly so you're not having to to send them out an invoice or hunt down money or get them on the phone or take a credit card over the phone right these are things that you can afford to do when you're charging the appropriate amount all right and we'll be talking about this the second point later on in this course okay um the, the, the second point being being able to actually contract out other jobs hire out other jobs delegate out but I want you to understand and know what you should and should not be doing in your business to experience success. I'm going to unpack that in another in another week's process is uh, what you should and should not be doing in your business. All right, that'll be later. Okay, and the, here's, here's the third one. Uh, the third item on my list for why you should be charging more. Clients are willing to pay you more. And will thank you for it. I'm sorry, this is the fourth thing. Clients are willing to pay you more and they will thank you for it. Okay? I got to tell you this story. This is a, this is a true story about two bottles of whiskey. I, I, I'm a big fan of whiskey, specifically scotch. I do like my bourbons. but <laughs> So two, two bottles of whiskey. So I set out uh, to the liquor store to buy ingredients for a Manhattan. Now, I didn't want... This is for a party that I was having at my house. I didn't want to just make any Manhattan. I wanted this Manhattan to just be incredible, to be amazeballs, if you will. So I'm looking at all the whiskey options, and um, look, there's so many whiskey options, and I there's a couple bottles that I've maybe narrowed things down to. Now I'm not that familiar uh, with like my rye whiskeys, all right. And so I'm looking at these two bottles, and this was this was a few years back. I've gained in my knowledge now of of whiskeys a little bit more, but back then I was pretty new to the whole thing. And so I'm looking at these two different rye whiskeys and they both look uh, similar. Obviously both 750 milliliter bottles. One bottle of whiskey is $50. Okay. The other bottle of whiskey is $25.99. Okay. A little less than half. I'm sorry, a little more than half. Okay. 
Which bottle of whiskey is the better bottle? Which bottle of whiskey did I choose? Okay. Two bottles of rye whiskey. And I'm not super familiar with rye whiskey, right? They both look similar, both the same amount. One's 50, one's 25.99. I know that I want to, have, to make an amazing Manhattan for my guests. I grabbed the $50 bottle of whiskey. Now, I, I don't want to have to think about which bottle is better. I'm thankful that they have directed me to which one is better based off of its price. I get back to the house and my buddy asks me, you know, he who actually knew a little bit more about whiskey. Um, he asked me, Hey, wh- you know, which, which, like, why did I choose this whiskey? He's trying to learn, you know, why did I choose more whiskey? Why did I choose that particular bottle? And, uh, was you know he's he's asking me things like was it because it was was it like you know, a good a good price on it um was it was it, it look it, look whiskey it has a great brand going for it just in general the bottles are always uh there was really cool looking very interesting is like was it like was it just interesting did it grab your attention was it the most interesting looking bottle of whiskey that was there um and i tell him it was the most expensive so I assume it must be the best, right? Now here's where it gets interesting. I make I make this this Manhattan, right? And I and and I take a sip, and did I actually notice some sort of difference? I don't know. I didn't have the other bottle of whiskey to compare, but I'm gonna go ahead out on a limb and say no. I'm gonna say I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't actually. I couldn't tell. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. So no, I didn't. Did I tell myself that I did though? Absolutely. Right. And I didn't do this consciously, but like people like this is some like subconscious shenanigans, but people want to be seen as consistent and in line with their actions, with their decisions. Nobody wants to admit that they were wrong. No one wants to admit they were wrong or regretted a decision that they made. And so people align themselves with their choices. Have you guys seen this play out? Somebody makes a buying decision, somebody buys something, and they don't want to admit they were wrong, and so they just go, they, they almost go further into validating the choice that they made. It's like they're, try, they're resisting, like, that they, they want to make themselves sure of, of the decision that they purchased. And so I take a sip of this whiskey. Again, I spent double the, the, the price, and I take a sip of it. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I got this whiskey. Like it really brings out the subtleties and the bitter. Like I, I like, like I pronounce this, like I actually knew, you know, not only that, but I want other people to align themselves to my actions. So that way I'm not alone in this decision. So I encourage my friends, dude, if you want a great Manhattan, you got to get this X bottle of whiskey. You got to go get this brand. It's a little bit more expensive, but you get what you pay for. When your clients see your work priced in the middle market, they logically conclude that your work is average. Do you want to know who will never hire you? Someone who really cares about the photography and wants the best of the best. If I like, again, play this out, you guys. I wanted to make the best Manhattan for my guests, right? I'm not going to go and get the cheap bottle. I had the budget for it. It wasn't that big of a deal. I, I had the price. I had the money for it. I wanted the best. I bought a more expensive bottle of whiskey intentionally because I wanted the best. The couple who has a $10,000 wedding photography budget, they want the best of the best. They will never hire you if you are in the middle market. 
They will never hire you. They will conclude that your work is average or below average. Does, is this resonating with you? When your client sees your work priced in the middle market, they're going to logically conclude, meh, they're pretty average. All right? <laughs> this, you guys, it's a, it's a, it's a concept that it, there's a lot more to this because now you've got to figure out how do you actually target those people, right? And there's some risk involved. And this is why you don't just wake up one day and become something that you were not already becoming. You're not going to wake up one day and start charging $10,000. I'm not, when I say charge more, I don't mean, hey, you got to start charging five, seven, six, whatever it is, $1,000 a wedding. No, but you chip away at this thing. You, you get used to change. You don't get comfortable. You don't get, you don't get, at the very beginning of this, your, your lizard brain wants to keep you comfortable. Changing your pricing is scary. It's dangerous. Get used to it. Embrace change. Change is a part of my strategy. And so one of the ways that we charge more and that we keep ourselves consistently moving and navigating this space is quarterly decisions. Okay. I don't just like, uh, this is not an annual thing. I don't one year decide I'm going to raise my prices this year. No, I'm, I am changing my pricing. I'm, I'm elevating my pricing and I'm doing this. I'm constantly evaluating every three months. Can the pricing go up a little bit? Does it need to go down? That's okay too. Potentially you, you got like, there's, there's times and places for things, right? But every quarter I'm analyzing my pricing and I'm, I'm basing off of a few things. I'm basing off of, has anybody purchased my highest package? Okay. If that's the case, then maybe I'm going to start inching my prices up. And I say inching intentionally, maybe they go up 250 bucks. Um, I'm going to start basing it off of, um, what are my numbers looking like? Right. Do I only have three weddings left and it's, you know, March and I only get three weddings left to book this year. I'm going to raise my prices. Right. So you just have to constantly be evaluating your numbers. It's so important to know your numbers, know your benchmarks, where you need to be. Every three months, you should be taking a look and evaluating uh, where your pricings should be moving, adjusting. And it's not a global thing. Maybe one package goes up that you're directing people to, maybe one package goes down a little bit, but get used to change. All right. Get used to change. This wraps up today's lesson. There's a lot of questions that come from this. I know it's not, I didn't want to get into the specifics of it. I just wanted to kind of poke around and give you some high level vision uh, for this thing. Next week, you guys, I'm going to uh, unveil a critical component of shooting high end weddings that you absolutely need to be doing. If you want to make those 10K weddings, those 7K weddings, whatever your idea is of a high-end wedding, next week, the critical component of shooting high-end weddings. And without uh, next week's lesson, I would have never booked a 10K wedding. I promise you that. Without next week's lesson, I would have never booked a 10K wedding. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to get all seven weeks in your inbox in seven days instead, if you want to get a written format of today's episode, the previous three weeks of episodes, and then the following extension of them, go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash start sixfigurephotography.com forward slash start uh, to get the seven day crash course in your inbox. I'm so grateful, you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Now that you've heard me out, now you can uh, choose whether or not you know you agree, you disagree. Here's, here's the big takeaway from today. The takeaway is this. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable with average. 
There's just too much fear in this industry that, that says if I move my pricing, I'm, I'm going to go out of business. And the reality is this. If you don't move your pricing, you will go out of business. It's guaranteed. If you don't move your pricing, you will go out. If you do move it, you might, but you at least stand a chance. Thanks for hanging out, you guys. We'll see you in the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. Six Figure Photography Podcast.